Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Every stroke counts on the scorecard and every penny counts in the market. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to straightforward pricing with no surprises, so you're free to swing with confidence. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg. Member SIPC. Today we welcome on Aaron Oberholzer. Uh, Aaron played on the PGA Tour for a number of years and is now an analyst on the Golf Channel, kind of a jack-of-all-trades covering everything from NCAA golf to uh, the PGA Tour. Um, This week he's out at the senior players and we just kind of pick up our conversation uh, here uh, talking about Matt Wolf's win last week, the young guns on tour, kind of uh, what's changed in the game. And then we close with a little bit of talk about the Open. So here's Aaron Oberholzer. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. The distance thing is going to just be with the young guys. It's it's just crazy because everybody was like, oh, champ, oh yeah. champ's an anomaly. It's like, no, he's just the start. No, he's just him and him and Wolf for the beginning. Yeah. Him and Wolf for the beginning. I, 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 I played with a kid. Uh, I'm good friends with a kid. He's like a little brother to me, Frankie Sappen, who plays for Alabama. He's 124, 125 when he wants it all day, all day. We went and played his, his home club, North Oaks, uh, in Minnesota uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, was it two nights ago? Um, just played nine holes for fun. Had my boys out there, and they were whacking it around. And Frankie was coming off the lake like he was wake surfing all week up in there. Uh, just had a week off. Um, he was up there with the family. Um, and no, no warm-up swings, no practice. Gets on the first tee. There's a bunker down there on the right side. Downhill tee shot. Bunker on the right side. It's got to be a solid 290 carry. Um, probably, yeah, probably three bills to carry it to play in about two, 290 downhill. And flushes it um, over the bunker by 15, 20 yards and hit a hit an eight iron into the, into a, the first hole, which is a par five. I hit a five wood. I, I necked mine a little bit down, but it was in the middle of fairway and literally hit five wood. He hit eight iron. It's crazy. So the, the, this is just the start. You're right. He was 25 to 30 yards by me easily, sometimes 40 when he wanted to be um, all uh, the, the whole nine holes we played. It was unbelievable. The speed. I was, I was talking to this kid, uh, Kid I know's coach at the U.S. Open. He was uh he was an alt he was the first alternate, um, and the the guy we were just talking. He teaches all the you know a lot of the young kids in Chicago um, that are like really good. He's got a few guys that are probably gonna be on tour soon. But um, he was telling me he's like all I teach now is all we work on is speed and putting. Yep. Yep. Like the, That's all it is: speed and putting. Yeah. Just 
you hit it far you know? and then you make putts and you're going to be be good. Yeah. Cuz you'll exactly learn how to hit right. wedges I mean, eventually. It, exactly. Appro- approach play comes into play. I mean, you looked this last week and approach play was really important. I mean, you know, Morikawa was one. He's not long, but his pro- approach play has to be good because he's not long. He's yeah. an average length guy. Um but but Wolf Wolf's approach play was stellar. So there is some there when you get to the highest level, it, it does become about proper control and approach play, but it's so much easier, made so much easier if you've got 175 or less in on every hole, you know? So if you're not playing outside of 175 yards, it's, the game's pretty simple. That's, I think that is what kind of makes Wolf and Morikawa a little bit different than say like a Cameron Champ or, you know, some of the other young guys that we've seen recently is they, you know, like Morikawa put on oh, got, one of the best approach got, performances yeah. of, of the whole season. Of the year, yeah. without a doubt. He, he um, I, you know, here's the funny thing. Lavner and I were talking about this, and it's kind of, and, and early in the year, or during NCAAs, and then and I, after I saw Morikawa for the first time play up close at, at Pasatiempo um, at the Western, I really looked at his game and I said, and then I, I'd seen Wolf. And I, I knew I was going to see Wolf again at NCAA's, and I knew what he's, he's been, done this year. But I'm sitting there looking at Morikawa, and I'm going, this is the most tour-ready dude of the four guys. I mean, like, if you look at the complete game, you know, there's just – he doesn't have any weaknesses. It, is he, he's not long, but, you know, which, is, which might be his only weakness, it, quite honestly, Colin. Because every other part of his game, I watched him, and I'm like – not good swing controls his distances really well flights his ball can hit it both directions cuts it fades it he's not scared um drives it really well uh his good touch around the greens and puts it great and i'm sitting there going well you know whereas wolf you know i i saw some holes in his game quite honestly um that could i thought could be cleaned up Hovland, I felt had some holes. He's not a he's not a great putter. Hovland isn't. Um, he's he, I think him and Wolf are going to be streaky to start with, and you saw it where Wolf got hot and used his distance to his advantage. But Morikawa is going to be that like real plotter, consistent, just not make any mistakes. Um, and uh, I, I just I just I see I I saw Colin of the four and you know throwing Sa in there. I thought that I thought that Colin had the most tour ready game from driver through the putter as far as tour ready to win, you know, obviously with the distance, like you just said, big guy with the distance stuff, it was, it was, it was, I thought it was Wolf who had, who, who who could win right away. It was definitely Matt Wolf, especially when you look at the courses he's coming through in the Midwest, I thought he might give himself a shot and he did. Yeah, it's and then I mean, took and then took advantage of it. So you've covered, you know, you did a lot of uh, college stuff this this spring. It's, I mean, so you, you, did you foresee all of them having as much success as they did when you know you saw Colin at at the Western and then NCAA's, and then you saw you know Victor and uh, and Matt Wolf at uh, at the NCAA's? Did you expect them all to play so well so quick? Uh, uh, I, I actually, you know, what's quite, quite honestly, I didn't expect 
I thought there, I thought it'd be a little bumpier for Matt. Um, I expected Hovland to play well. He has. And I expected Colin Morikawa to play well. He has. Um, I, after watching Justin's, uh, Justin's got Justin. I watched Justin for 18 holes at Passy, and he didn't have his best day. Didn't have his best stuff by any stretch and Passy beat him up a little bit. Um, but there are some, I see, I see Justin needing, I see Justin quite honestly needing a year on the web or on the corn ferry tour. He, I, he's, he, of the four, he's the least ready mm-hmm. to, 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 to play at this level based on what I saw. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously everybody's going to compare this, this class. I mean, and the, you know, the, one of the things is like, Will Gordon hasn't even really you know, they, he hasn't gotten the, no, the PGA Tour sponsor, but he's been playing on Canada and he's been he's been lighting it up up there. I mean, he's another yeah, just unbelievable talent. So everybody's no going to compare and, this and, class to that JT totally, Spieth totally. And, burger. And, and, Will, and Will's fan, yeah, Will's fantastic. Um, Cameron Young, if he could, if as long as his back stays healthy from from Wake Forest, he's a stud. Yeah, he could do it. Um, there, there's a, this class is going to be, when it's all said and done, the class that's either graduated or come out this year, 2019 out of college, they're going to, they're all really, really strong players. Uh, and, and, and I can see, I can see all the aforementioned guys being on tour at some point with full, full status at some point, probably within the next two to three years, quite honestly. Um, Justin's got to work on his wedge play. So he's got to work on his wedge play, his flighting, his irons. He hits the ball. He hits the ball, in my opinion, too high. Um, and uh, even though people say, oh, you like that, eh, you, don't, you like that to a certain extent. But I, I think trajectory control is really important when you get to the highest level and being able to control the distances with your irons. And I re- it really kind of – he was exposed, I thought, at Pasa Tiempo on his wedge play. And Pasatiempo is a golf course that requires, you know, really, really crazy good iron control and good approach play. I mean, ex- exquisite approach play because of how the greens are. And, yeah, you're hitting shorter irons in there, but that should give you even more control of your ball. And I just didn't see it out of Justin that, that day that I watched him. Again, he didn't have his best stuff by any stretch. Um, but uh, I, I agree uh, with that. I think but I think the like... ball flight, I think the ball flight's a little too high. It's you... – the when the tour you know with the tour it's you know the pins are are tucked and and getting at those and you know just being able to hit it into the right spots and it, i mean it's like what tiger says is you know he, he's always worried about missing at the right distance and i feel like it, when you're you know going really good these guys are are just hitting it within you know a yard of the number every time and and that ties perfectly into trajectory Oh, without a doubt. That's why Jason Day. I watched Jason Day for for eighteen holes out at out at three M, and he was. I, I it was first round of golf I've ever watched Jason on the ground where he didn't take a full swing at an iron. First round of golf I've ever seen him play. I'm like he's serious about this. Tiger's, you know, William Steve has convinced him, and maybe he's talked to Tiger and he's taken it to heart because you know. In college, Tiger swung hard at irons, but that was college. But when he turned pro and started working with Butch on his game, that guy hardly ever took a – he never took a 100% swing at an iron and still does it. It's all – seven. the full swings for him with an iron 75 to 
And every time I saw Jason, the first almost eight years on tour, even when he won the PGA, it was, if it was in between two clubs, it was in between a nine and an eight. It was a full blown nine. I mean, just back it up a ball in the stance and just launch it. If I have to versus playing at a ball, you know, in the middle of your stance or a ball up in your stance and just feathering a little fade in there with an eight, if you have to, and just taking a little off. And I saw a lot of that this week from, from Jason, which I thought was really cool. I mean, he was really flighting the ball. Never seen him hit, hit it as low as he did this week. It was, it was really cool to watch actually. Day is that the Stevie day thing is something to watch. I, I, I think like it would be, it'd be really fascinating to see if day can kind of remake, you know, he, he had his like run that 18 month run where maybe, you know, best run for 18 months we've seen since tiger, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he's kind of struggled the last couple of years, but like if he was able to, you know, fall down, you know, where he's been in the teens and then get back up into that top three, four players in the world, you know, by, you know, reinvent so few guys. I feel like once you get to that elite level are able to kind of reinvent their game. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And and I think Jason's going to find it very difficult and, and he is going to go, he's going to go through some serious uh, growing pains with this, with this, with learning how to do this at, 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 you know, what I guess you'd consider a later age learning how to play this way, even though he's still, what is he? He's still in his twenties, right? Late twenties. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's thirty, I but think he's I think he's twenty-eight 20. or twenty-nine. And um, uh, you know, it's—I don't know. I—I I think he—I think he can do it. It's just how how much patience does he have to play like the kind of the way he did at 3M this last week on a golf course? Seemingly, you would think he would destroy with his game, um, and just you know barely makes the cut, and then plays you know, okay on the weekend, not great by any stretch. Um, you know, how, how much, how much patience does he have for that kind of golf and for how long? So, you know, if, if he has the wherewithal to stick with it, um, it's, I think it could pay great dividends, especially in the majors, especially in the majors. So with all these young guys and, you know, the success, I mean, this, this week was at, at, Minneapolis was crazy with the, how young the leaderboard was. I mean, you were like, is Jason Day? So he's thirty-one. Is Jason Day thirty-one? There you go. Is Jason Day a like what we would used to consider like a thirty-eight-year-old? Um, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like you. I guess you can start looking. At, I don't know, in dog years, kind of compared. Mm-hmm. Compared to yeah, I mean, guys are learning at a, at a at a younger, earlier clip because of you know. I mean, I think for all the things that we've all talked about uh, on air at Golf Channel, you know, I think uh, you know TrackMan plays a role in that. Um, you, you, you're not you're not sitting there hunting for something over the period of two hundred or three hundred balls in four or five hours. You're literally looking at a screen, going, "Oh, that's why I'm hitting it this way." You know, if you understand TrackMan and you understand all the numbers and permutations, you, you I mean, you can figure it out swing to swing. This is how I, I need to, what I need to do to create a, you know, you can turn a number into a feel. And that's what these guys are so good at. They can turn that number into a feel and then just change their golf swing to match up to what they want to see the ball flight and then double check. Okay, that's right. And literally you can check your, you can change it. You can 
fix, excuse me, fix and change your golf swing or change your golf swing in one or two swings now. Um, and, and, and then, and get confirmed, get it confirmed that you're doing what you want to do. Um, and then uh, the other, I think a bigger factor than anything. I go back to my junior days. I was playing a cutoff hand-me-down set for my grandfather that didn't even fit me. And I was trying to finagle it and figure out how to use it and so on and so forth at 13, 14, 15 years old until I finally got a, a, a decent set of clubs that I still, again, weren't fit for me. They just right off the rack. These kid, junior kids nowadays are getting our, they have access to the same thing that we do as professionals. They have the same access to the fitting and to the trackman numbers and getting the spin rates right and the launch right and optimizing their drivers and optimizing their irons. And, oh, this is the descent angle you need and, and your irons, and this is the apex you need at your speed to stop the ball. I mean, they have all this at their disposal, and before you know it, boom. It's just plug-and-play, man. And I think that's – I think in all honesty, between those two things, those are the two biggest things of why kids – are so ready on the PGA tour nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they, they've got the metrics. They, they know the metrics that they have to have um, because they're out there and the data is there. Um, we didn't have this kind of data when I was growing up, you know, you, you, you literally dug it out of the dirt and you, you, you played the game with more feel without a doubt with, with ex- way more feel than you do now. There's a lot more science in the game. But it's that science that's allowing younger kids who don't have the experience of digging it out of the dirt to get to the levels they are so quickly. The science is helping them massively. That's, so I was thinking about this uh, the other day, and I think like we're we're seeing like these wave people, these like the young guns kind of come in waves. Like we had that JT Spieth burger kind of run, right? And I think those yeah. those yeah. were the guys that never hit a they never hit. So like Ricky was the guy, Ricky in that group was the guys that had never hit anything but a solid core ball. JT and yeah. Spieth, those guys are the guys that never hit a driver head that wasn't 460 cc's. And then yep. now yep. the these guys are the guys that never, you know, never took a lesson without TrackMan. Without TrackMan, exactly right, exactly right. That's a great way to look at it, Andy. Um, it's just, it's, it's the progression of the science of the game. Um, there, I, I don't, I mean, it, how many years did it take to go from wood to steel? And then how many years were we in steel until we hit graphite? And then how many years that wood shafts to steel shafts? And then how many years were we in just steel shafts before the first graphite shaft was invented? And then how many years were we with wooden heads for drivers and, and woods? I think so it was the metalhead. I think it was ninety three to ninety seven was the transition for the wood to metal, is from what I can tell. Like the last persimmons were gone in ninety seven. Exactly, but the first metalhead, early eighties, the original yeah. one from TaylorMade. Uh huh. So, so that was when it first came out. When they when it was widely adopted, you're right. It was probably the mid to late nineties when everybody said. I've got to get rid of the wood. It's just, it's the, the, the persimmon is, it's a dinosaur. It's, it's, you know, it's archaic now. Um, so, it, so in the last, call it, geez, call it 25 years, we've seen the biggest technology jump 
the, the biggest technology jump in the history of the game from graphite shafts to head. I mean, look at, I mean, graphite shafts to heads to balls to everything versus from nine, let's call let's let's use 1996 or 97 as the as the delineation the mark you know the the, the that that's the marker in years going back all the way to Bobby Jones era you know when they were using hickory shafts the golf ball and everything hadn't changed as much as it has changed and everything the game hasn't changed in that period of time as much as it's changed in the last 25 years you know, it or twenty. What's what that? Twenty-two years, right? I mean, that's that's insanity. I mean, when you really stop it, I mean, that's crazy. In twenty-two years, look what has changed. Hell, my driving distance in two thousand and three was, I want to say, two hundred and eighty-five yards, which was dead average on tour. Dead average on tour. Average last year on tour was two ninety-six. Yeah, two ninety-six, and that's with a Pro V One X. That was the first year, oh three, of the Pro V One X. And now, you know, now guys, now, now it's 296 with virtually the same ball. So what's that tell you? Shafts have gotten better. Drivers have gotten better. Driver heads have gotten massively better since 2003. Since 2010, they've gotten massively, massively better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and guys have gotten stronger, period. Those are the three factors that I look at when I look at distance. You know, I, I remember playing rock hard golf courses in 2003. So you can't sit there and tell me, well, the courses are faster. No, that's BS. Courses were fast back when I played on tour in 2003, my rookie year. It's just that the technology has gotten so crazy advanced in the last 15, 25 years that, you know, that's what, that's what I believe has allowed these young guys to really flourish, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, they're good players, don't get me wrong. But I would love to see, you know what I would love to see? I'd love to see a tournament with Bellotta. Everybody plays the same Bellotta golf ball. Because pretty much that's what it was back in the early to mid-90s. Everybody was playing relatively the same ball. They're all wound, liquid core balls. And then I want to see everybody's got to play a blade. Got to play a blade. Everybody's got to carry a two-iron. And uh, quite honestly, I don't care what woods you put in your bag. Seriously. You can go ahead and take the, the woods right now. But with a Bellotta golf ball and and blade irons, even with even using today's driver, the, the ball's not going. That's a marshmallow. The ball's not going anywhere. Yeah, not yeah. going anywhere. I think that like so I I've messed around with this stuff and and I think like the Bellotta, when I hit it, I hit it about three hundred, and that Bellotta when I hit the Bellotta, it's like two seventy five. It's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's twenty five yards. Yeah, it's going. Yeah, which was which was like back in the nineties was like that was that was above average mm-hmm. driving distance. I want to say what Davis led the tour in driving distance before Daly came along in the late eighties, early nineties when he was and he was using persimmon, and I think he was averaging like two eighty four, two eighty five. Yeah, and that was what was leading the, the driving distance. If my memory serves me correct, I might be off on that number. But I don't think it was much. It wasn't 290. I know that. And um, yeah, it's just it's a different ball game. You know, I, I would love to see a tournament like that. The best players are still probably going to be the best players, but you would bring a lot more guys into the fray. Quite honestly, 
Cause, cause you'd put a, you'd put a, you'd put a, like we've all said, you put an onus on driving the golf ball straight. Well, I think, that's what you had to do back then. I think the thing that, that gets lost too is like the guys that weren't the longest that had all the skills. Like the guy I, I, I think is like the poster child for everything that kind of happened is Justin Leonard. Oh, him and Paven. Yeah. Him and Corey, without a doubt. You could you could take either him or Corey. They both, and and actually to a certain extent Lee Jansen because he was right on that cusp. And so I would say that those three guys, those three guys with what they accomplished, winning majors, they all won majors with either balladas or or a wound golf ball. As soon as that wound golf ball went away, and they went to solid core golf balls, those guys were were basically done. They were done. Because now all the longer hitters could just stand up there and swing away freely, and they weren't getting the same dispersion rate. So it, it just didn't matter. Missing fairways stopped mattering. To and 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 put those guys, you know, put those those guys went the way of the dodo. Yeah, those those guys. That's why that's why Brian Gay, in my opinion, yard for yard, is the best player on tour. <laughs> best it's... player on tour, yard for yard. It's unbelievable. You know, he's a, a four. He's I think he's the only four-time first-team All SEC player ever. SEC? Yeah, yeah I, I'd have to check that, but I, that I, I'll, 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 I believe you. But I, I believe you. You, you probably, you're probably right. For sure. it, he's I, I can't unbelievable. Think of any off the top of my head? Oh yeah, the guy's amazing. Same with like Ches Reeve. So respect for Brian. Yep, a lot of respect for Ches. All those guys who, who hit it. You know, who literally I can play out of their bags. In fact, I'm longer than Brian Gay. Uh, and I'm probably a little bit longer than Ches. And, you know, and those guys, the fact that those guys are still out there competing and winning, you know, with Ches winning, I mean, sure, there are certain golf courses that he's, there are only about a handful to maybe 10 courses a year he's got a chance to, truly a decent chance to win on um, with his game. Um, otherwise he's got to do crazy good stuff outside the box that his skill set doesn't usually set up for. Uh, so much respect for those guys. Cause that puts a lot of pressure on you to sit there and go to literally look at the schedule and go, well, shoot, I've only got 10 tournaments a year that I really have a good chance to win. I got, so I've, you know, yeah, I gotta make, I gotta make 20- 1.5 in 10 tournaments. I got, exactly. I got to make one and a half million in 10 tournaments. That's basically the way they got to look at things, which is, that's pretty good. That's pretty good numbers. If you can make 150 grand a tournament, that's what, that's pretty good. What do you think there's any psychological thing for these young guys playing really well? Cause of all the other, cause of the other young guys playing well early. I mean, how was that for you when you were coming out and like playing on tour uh, as a young guy? Oh, as far as motivation. Like intimidation, like where you, you know, was there oh, intimidation? No, 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 no. I think it depends on the player to a certain extent. I think certain players are going to be a, a little more intimidated than others, but I've never seen a group of young guys since the, since Spieth, since the Spieth crew came out that were, that were not intimidated by older, more established players. My generation, um, Tiger, you know, Tiger helped us. Tiger kind of helped us with that, but experience still mattered. Even when I came out, experience still mattered. Um, we didn't have, there was no track man. There was no, there was no one there to, 
to reaffirm you're doing the right thing day in and day out. You know, even longer hitters like Hank Keeney, who came out same age. I played college golf with him and Tiger. They were the two longest on the planet when they played in, when we played in college. They were both longer than Daly. And and I and I sat and I sat there and I just went. I and and Hank, you know, couldn't do what we all thought he could do for whatever reason. But he had the formula you thought to to be able to do some really cool things on on, on in professional golf with as long as he hit it and with as athletic as he was and the speed he could create. Um, he had holes in his game with, without a doubt, but, but there was definitely, there was definitely an experience gap that is, that doesn't exist or isn't as, as big of a gap now as it was when I came out on tour and even before me where you had to learn the golf courses. Whereas now you know, because there isn't such be, most of the golf courses on tour, the yardage books are so good. You can literally play and you could play, you could show up on Tuesday, go around TPC twin cities with a putter and a, and a wedge and just chip and putt around the greens and play that golf course from the yardage book. No problem. No problem. The other, the other thing is the green, the green reading books. You don't even have to know how to read a yeah. green. Exactly. Exactly right. So if, and if you're confused about, oh, 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 you can lit it. Some guys, if you're, if you're that calm and you feel that good about it, literally you can show up on Thursday morning, never seeing the golf course and you can probably shoot a pretty good score. Whereas that was never the case. You always had to do your homework. You always had to do this. Now, obviously the guys who do more homework, they're going to have a better chance to a certain extent. At least that's what that, my theory, they're always going to have a better chance because they know this or that or the other thing. Um, that may be a guy who hasn't seen the golf course, but I've also shown up to golf tournaments and golf courses that I haven't seen before on, on lesser tours, not the PGA tour, but on lesser tours where I've shot 65 and I didn't play a practice round, you know? So it, so it, it's just, it's it, it, a lot of it's, a lot of it's having no fear, understanding your own game, playing the distances, um, not trying to do too much. But, yeah, I don't think that these guys are intimidated at all because they've got all the information they need. There's, there's no stone left unturned for the most part. They have everything they need to have to play well. It, all the, it literally comes down to execution. There's no guessing involved. You, know? you don't even catch hardly flyers anymore. There's no guessing in shot to a certain extent unless the rough's you know, four or five inches deep and you, you, you bury one and you really don't know how it's going to come out to a certain extent or Bermuda still, you do some guessing in, but quite honestly, there's, there's not a lot of guessing in golf anymore. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of freedom in, 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 uh, in playing the old school way, which the, in freedom and playing by feel, Yeah, you know, guys who played by feel and played with that kind of freedom, because they had the experience on the golf course and had the experience of tournament rounds under their belt. That's all gone now. I mean, that's, that's another reason why these young guys are able to come out and play the way they're able to play right off the bat. They, they have the freedom already in knowing that they know what they need to know, period. And then they just go out and execute. Boom. This is what I need to do. I need to get my driver here. I need to have my spin rate here. I need to have my launch angle here. I need, oh, what does track man say? Perfect. I got it all there. Boom. Ready to go. 
I need to have my six iron fly this far. The descent angle's got to be here. Oh, what does TrackMan say? Boom, perfect. Got that dialed. All right, we're ready to play. One, one, what, what you know, there's a random random six iron for Matt Wolf. What's it? Two bills probably? 195? <laughs> Maybe 210. I think yeah. it's 210. Might, might, <laughs> might be 210. I don't know his yardage is. I mean, he um, was hitting, yet, I think but... he was hitting like seven irons from 200 down the stretch. He had probably oh, yeah. had a little so... adrenaline going, but I th- I'd imagine he hits the six iron at least 205. Yeah, so if you feel comfortable with your technique about the only thing that still exists is pressure coming down the stretch and maybe not trusting technique. But if you trust your technique, it's literally execution. Just seeing the shot, committing to the shot, and hitting the shot. Because everything else is, you can't screw it up, quite honestly, other than letting pressure get to you. That's the one thing that that's still, um, it's still, it's getting easier for the guys hand dealing with pressure because of all these things, but that still exists and will always exist. Um, you know, and technique, I, I saw Wyndham Clark struggled with, I could see he was struggling down the back nine last this last week with his technique. So I could see that maybe the pressure was getting to him to a certain extent. So each individual is going to handle it a little differently in that case, but veterans aren't coming out like in my day, I remember my first Saturday on tour making the cut in my first event at Sony and getting to play with Stuart Appleby. Like, this is cool. He's won four or five times on tour. You know, um, here's a guy that's, you know, played on president's cup teams and knows his way around and is a, and known as a phenomenal ball striker. I would step to that first tee. I was a little intimidated by Stuart, by Stuart Appleby, you know, because I knew how, you know, it's just that he's played, he's played, he's played wildlife 50 times, probably 500 times. Who knows? I mean, a, a lot. He's played that golf course a lot. He knows it like the back of his hand. He knows what to do when he hits it over in the left rough, the right rough. He knows what to do when he misses a green here or there or there, everywhere. I'm, I've got to learn that stuff. Um, and I, yeah, like, and, and it, I don't have, and I don't think like Matt Wolf stepping to the tee or Morikawa is stepping to the tee and they're paired with say Louis Ustazen. I don't think they're intimidated by that. No, they're not. Absolutely not. No, because they, they know all the metrics. Because they, if they don't, they're going to have them soon. But they probably still they probably still have stat guys that are saying, and a lot of guys do have stat guys saying, this is what you have to do well this week if you want to have a chance to win on this particular golf course. So this is what you need to practice. You know, which is which as back when I played, which wasn't that long ago, you, you did, we had still had we had we didn't have the strokes gain status. We didn't have all those, all the metadata that you have now and all the data that they have now. So you're sitting there looking at it going, you had to play the golf course once or twice or one year, four rounds, and then go back and, and then re and then reevaluate in your own mind. All right, this is what I need to work on for this golf course next year. Now it's like, no, this is what you need to work on before you've even seen the golf course. This is what you need to work on to go win here. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really, it's actually pretty cool, but it's, but it's, it, it takes some of the romanticism out of the game, in my opinion. You know, some of the, I mean, the guesswork and the romantic side of the game is kind of lost because there's just, I think there's a little too much science in the game right now, in my, in my opinion. What what would you do if you could, you, I, you know, say you could, you're a golf star. What would you do to get a little romanticism back in the game? Oh, oh, gosh. 
That's a great question, Andy. I, uh, I'd go back. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'd probably be one of these old fuddy-duddies that'd go back to older tech, you know. Um, get rid of, get rid of, um, uh, get get rid of these big drivers. Get rid of the. I mean, I, the same thing Nicholas talks about. The same thing Jack talks about. I, I, you know, I to get some of the romanticism back in the game and and to really to really see who the best players are, who's going to do the, do their homework and work the hardest to do their homework, to understand what they need to do to win week in and week out at every golf course, you know, get rid of the, get rid of the greens books. Um, you can have yardage books. Cause you know, even back way back in the day, guys were making yardage books or had yardage books when gorgeous George was out, you know, printing them up and writing it and then making them by hand. The green, um, the green books I think would be my first thing gone. Greens books, greens books. I want the greens books so gone it's not even funny. Like you, um, you have to but, be able to read a green. Like Johnny Miller didn't I, win, I, didn't win a couple majors because he couldn't read greens. I'm, I'm telling you what, Andy, you and I are on the same page, and I know we sound like get off my lawn, but uh, I, 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 I agree with you 100. percent I think greens books, I think greens books are are right now are worse than the golf ball and the driver combined. Quite honestly. Um, I'd get rid of Green's books. I'd get rid of the driver. I'd go back to. Hey, uh, here's to a, here's a question. I'd go back to I'd go back to nineteen. I'd go back to nineteen ninety eight tech. That's what I would do. Now, go back to nineteen ninety eight tech. You can't make and no tiger. You can't make your own golf ball. You can't have Brock Ishii make you a, a perfect ball for you that was solid core that no one else had access to. You can't do that. So you got to go back to the wound ball, which he was drumming everybody with anyway. So it wouldn't have mattered. Um, so, but I, I would, I would say that you got to go, you got to go, you got to go back to 1998 pre that, you know. So from titleist professional wound ball or balada. I don't mind. We can just, as long as we go back to a wound, uh, the characteristics of a wound ball. I think that that would bring some of the romanticism back in and. You know, some old school, some old school golf. You know, I don't, I don't mind. You, you can play ping I two pluses if you want. I don't have any problem with that irons, but um, I just don't want to. I don't want to see. I just, I, you know, no track man. You know, none of that stuff. I want to see guys. I want to see. You know, I want to see guys dig it out of the dirt. And I think to a certain extent, a lot of guys still do that. I don't think guys are. I don't think there's a lot of guys out there who are so in love with the track man that they that they, the top guys, at least, I don't think that there's too many of those guys. Um, I still think a lot of the top guys dig it out of the dirt and really go find it. Um, and, and, and have, and understand their fields like innately. Uh, and I, and it serves them well, there's no doubt, but there's a certain amount of science that those guys use for sure that are allowing them to do what they're doing, uh, to the game right now that maybe they wouldn't be allowed to do if we were to go, hit the way back button and, and go 20, 25 years uh, in the time machine. Quite honestly, I don't think that would, I think it would be uh it would be a tougher game for everybody. And I, I think it'd be more fun. You know, we could, we could play 6,500 yard golf courses again. Yeah. So you could play fast tempo, um, but uh, we the, could play, you could play positive tempo again. Yeah, exactly. The uh, with uh, something I, I think about a lot, uh, you know, and this is kind of points to this whole conversation is, uh, What's the what's the tournament that experience matters most year in year out? 
Oh, Augusta. You know, that's the only place they don't allow uh, green reading books. Yep, yep. And God bless them. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope they continue to do that. I'm pretty sure that that, that Chairman Ridley's going to, he is not going to allow them. And um, um, I hope that uh, that continues to happen at Augusta. And quite honestly, I'd like to see all the major championships not allow them. Um, And I I just, yeah, I I would, you know, I mean, the guys who make them, the Straka guys, they, I mean, I've said it on Twitter and I've gotten, they've attacked me left and right. Oh, you're killing my, you know, I got to put my kids through college and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, woe is me. What am I going to do without a job? If you, if they take away this and that, and I'm like, well, you know, what did the guy who was building metal or built whipping, whipping woods do when metal woods came along? Mm-hmm. He figured out how to make metal woods and, 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 and he worked on those, you know? So, I mean, you just gotta, you, you gotta adjust, you gotta adapt, you gotta figure out things. And, um, uh, I would love it to see him taken away, but I just, I don't, you know, after talking with Thomas Pagel, uh, where, where, where we had a conversation, um, Kapalua this year, we were having a conversation because he was there for everybody to, so just in case anybody had any freakouts on the rules, the new rules this year, he was there and he was great to talk to. And uh, it, that's going to be the hardest thing is, is getting rid of those greens books because then he's like, well, then we probably have to get rid of yardage books. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you could probably put an addendum in there for green reading material. And then the yardage books, basically, if a guy who's doing yardage books, basically he just draws the shape of the green and puts nothing on the green. And the players can do all that. That's, that's the thing. Let the players do that. That's, it should be like a great, a great caddy and a great, and a, a well, a, a well-prepared caddy would be out there doing that. Well, caddies do that, but I did that on my own. Yeah. So before Mark Long did these gorgeous books that, and these, and you know, and then they're they're perfect. The numbers are perfect. I mean, right to the letter. Before Mark Long did the books, Gorgeous George did the books, and I was I'm old enough to know that I played my rookie maybe my first two years, oh three and oh four, with Gorgeous George books. I still have them all. Still have all my old Gorgeous George yardage books back at home. They're cool, and. I remember writing in stuff on the greens because George didn't put all the slopes and the lines and that I put those in. Well, here's a big slope right here. You got to watch out here. And, and this is, this slopes there's, well, there's a little bump right here that George didn't write in or didn't see, but I see it. So that's going to throw the putt a little bit further right or left than you norm than you think it would just based on my own reconnaissance, you, you, you know, and prep, you, you know, these things and you draw them in yourself. I'd love to get back to that. I just don't know if it's, if it's ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I, who knows? I, I thought they, they tried and, and then they kind of fell back, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's, there's probably more going on than I understand. And that maybe you understand as well behind closed doors. Maybe there's not, um, but maybe there is that we don't know about and uh, may never know about. Even if I asked someone, I don't know if we'd get a straight answer, quite honestly. <laughs> I don't think they'd tell us anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that they would tell us much yet, which is fine. Hey, look, the, game, the, the game's fun right now. It really is. It's fun to watch. It's fun to broadcast. Um, it's fun to, still fun to play. It's just different. It's just different than what it used to be. I, I miss 
you know, I miss, I, you know, I think there's a lot of nostalgia in golf and I, I feel a lot of nostalgia when I, you know, um, when I went out with my, with my, uh, my, uh, my buddy Frankie Sappen, um, the other night at his club and we were, and we were messing around. He had a bunch of old Bellotta balls. Who knows how good they were, but he had a bunch of old tour Bellotta balls and professional balls. And we were out there with, uh, with a, with a wood, wood and persimmon and having a great time just hitting shots. He had an old Wilson staff, um, one iron. This thing, I mean, it's probably the loss of a three iron now, but it's definitely, it was definitely from the early eighties, um, to late seventies. And, um, the, 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 the green victory was, 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 as slick as could be on that thing. It was, but I was, I was hitting that thing from like 190 yards, you know, and then I'd move up to 180 and I'd hit these big slices and, you know, open it up a little bit and play it with a, with a ballot ball and play this massive 30 yard slice from 180 yards. It was so much fun. You know, that's the kind of, there's like, there's a handful of guys playing those shots on tour nowadays when, you know, back in the day, I think a lot of guys had to play those shots and, they're fun. They were fun. I love playing shots like that. I love curving the ball, making the ball curve. And, you know, it goes pretty straight now. I mean, I'm watching these guys out there. And even when I go out and play, it's just like, you know, when I want to draw one in, I've got to, well, I can't start it that far right. I got to start it like five yards, five yards further left than I normally would because it's just not going to move as much. The, the, I think the biggest, uh, biggest winner of the whole ball thing was, was the big – the big body guys that hit a cut. Yes, without a doubt. It's easier to control, which is why you and know, they went we so far. Then. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, because you could hit it. You know, when Nicholas played, he taught himself how to hit a flat cut, how to hit a flat high bomb, you know, a, or a knuckle cut, which is what Brooks hits on every shot. But Nicholas had to teach himself how to do that and take the spin off of it. Tiger. Had, Tiger had a natural – he was so naturally shallow through the ball that he kind of he kind of did that. Even he, And he might not have been trying to do that. He just did it. But he Tiger hit a great flat high bomb cut with a, with a wound ball. I mean, I remember seeing it firsthand every time we played golf against each other when we were in college. And whereas everybody else was spinning the ball into the air, we all spun it into the air, you know, those guys learned how to talk themselves how to launch it in the air and take the spin off of it. And, um, you know, that's kind of lost on today's generation because all the equipment does it for you. I mean, it, it's set up to do it. So you don't have to teach yourself how to hit those shots. They're hit for you. Basically. You just have to, you just have to have the guy with the track man who's running the track man, give you the right numbers. Okay. We need to get 200. We need to get 200 more spin off your ball. Okay. That's, Take the wrench out. Yeah. Okay, knock it down a half degree. Boom, there you go. There's 200, 200 less RPMs. There's your little knuckle cut. It was so, so, so I, funny. My buddy uh, Vince India gave me a driver a couple years ago. Um, he plays on the web. And uh, it, was, you know, it was one of his old drivers. He built it up for me. And, and I'm hitting it. And a couple, I see him a couple weeks later. And, he, and he's like, hey, how's that driver? I'm like, hey, you know, it's, it's a little too spinny. You know, I just feel like I'm losing you know, 10 yards because it's just spinning so much. He goes, oh, let me just flip the gravity core. Flips this thing, and uh, all of a sudden I'm hitting it 25 yards further. It was nuts. Yeah. It's just yeah. like just like that. It, it, just took that, all the spin off yeah, the ball. That's, that's, listen, that's, that's, I got to hand it to 
guys like Marty Jerton at Penn, um, and all the and, and, and all the engineers at the, at the at they they have done such a phenomenal job, you know, recreating the driver because the USGA finally, thank goodness, said, okay, enough's enough. This is where we're stopping. We're stopping at this coefficient of restitution, and we're stopping at this size head. So now, now you got to mess around with CG and and MOI and you got to, and, and materials and put it all together and see what you can come up with. And, and, you know, everybody at all the manufacturers and, and engineers like Marty, they're doing such a good job reinventing the wheel and, and creating, you know, easier clubs to hit, even though they're, they're, they're cut off from a, from a, 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 a from a certain standpoint from the USGA from going forward and progressing the technology they have to find out they have to find different ways to progress the technology with what they have and they're doing a good good job of that um through moi and how they put the heads together and where they put the where they put the cg and and how you can change the cg around and um it's it's really i find that fascinating i think it's really cool um and uh it's fun to tinker i'll tell you what the one thing i I don't miss. I don't miss having to test six different drivers alongside of one another and not liking any of them and then then being out there all day because they had to rebuild drivers and glue into every head versus now you just grab a shaft and you lock it in and boom, you go. And you're literally fitting a driver in a half an hour. So so you you, you don't miss the days where the driver was the hardest club to hit in the bag and not the easiest? Well, I, I, I miss... I I I I don't miss those testing days. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted I to find a driver that, that 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 those testing days drove me nuts. I'm like, uh, I used to just sit there and cringe when I had to, you know, Titleist had come out with a new driver when I was signed with Titleist when I was playing, and I just sit there and cringe. I I love testing wedges. I love testing irons because they were pretty easy for me to fit. As long as you got the loft and lies right, I know the window that my ball should be coming out of the window that I want to see. I know how it should spin. You know, I know the distance I should hit it into the wind, how I should hit it downwind, crosswind, the sole whole nine yards. As long as it's doing that, boom, we're good. Throw them in the bag. Drivers were like, oh, I used to just – and three woods. Drivers and three woods drove me insane, Andy. Oh, they drove me nuts testing those things because they'd wear my ass out after a half an hour of hitting balls with a driver. I, I mean, I can only hit so many drivers tired. back in the day, and I would get tired. Drive me nuts. Yeah, so now it's nice and easy. You know, now it's pretty simple. This is where we're trying to get to. Twenty-five or twenty-two to, or twenty. For me, I like it twenty-three to twenty-six hundred spin. Twenty-three to twenty-six hundred. I want to launch it at about eleven, eleven and a half tops, twelve, and uh, you know, the spin. Yeah, the spin rate should be that twenty, twenty, twenty-three to twenty-six, twelve and a half. Yeah, twenty-three to twenty-six, twelve and a half. That's what I want. Any lower, and I can't control it. Any higher, and I lose distance. But right in that little sweet spot, I, I, I'm golden, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the ball speed and the club head speed, it is what it is with an old man with forehand surgeries. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, take what I, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I do now as an as a, uh, out-of-shape uh, golf blogger and podcaster that sits in a chair most days, you know. <laughs> Just yeah, trying, exactly. Trying. It sounds like you still create some good speed though at 300 yards, man. Yeah, nah. my best days are, are, are might be behind me. That's what I'm starting to, starting to learn. <laughs> um, but uh, 
But uh, so, what do you uh, what do you think about this whole new schedule with uh, open as the fourth uh, major? Uh, I like it. I really do. I like it. I think. I listen from a, from coming now that I'm not playing, um, and and I and I I have to look at it from a television perspective. Uh, I think it's great for the fans. Uh, I think you get a, a you get a massive event every month culminating in the FedEx Cup playoffs. You get the players, you get the Masters, you get the PGA, you get the U.S. Open, you get the Open Championship. Bang, 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 bang. Right, right in a row. Every month, once a month, you got a you got a fantastic you got a, 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 a basically a major championship. Okay, and then all culminates in in the uh, uh, in the in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And it's all done before football. Okay. The fall season is great. And the fall season is becoming more and more important. There's no doubt. You look at the statistics, it behooves guys to go and play the fall season to get a great jump on FedEx cup points so that you don't get too far behind. Now the top, the the top players, they don't have to, you know, they're going to play in those Asia, that Asia swing free point, you know, for three, three straight events. So they don't worry about, they're going to get points no matter what, but the guys who aren't in those Asia events, the rank and file, it, it's really a big deal to play in that fall season. But, you know, the PGA tour, the, the real PGA tour season for, I think the, 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 the fan, the average fan is from when we're seeing whales breach out of the water at Kapalua all the way until we hold the last putt at East Lake. That's the season, okay? And um, and I think that right now it's nice and compact. Uh, I think the stories flow a little bit easier. I think from a television scheduling standpoint, we've all been we've all had our hair on fire to a certain extent, especially a guy like me who does four different tours yeah. for Golf Channel. It's not like I'm just doing the PGA tour or just doing the Champs tour. I'm NCAAs. I'm, I do a women's event here and there. I, you know, I'm, I'm all over the, I'm all over the place. So my schedule's pretty hectic, especially from May 1st on. Um, and so, or at least May through May through July, my, my, my schedule's nuts. Uh, so I think from a TV personnel standpoint and analyst standpoint, we, we're all, we were all kind of sitting there going, Oh boy, what's our schedule, what our schedule is going to look like and how, you know, in this compact season, um, and I think to a certain extent, I think we were all fairly crazy at the golf channel with our schedules, but for, I think that it's for the average fan. Um, uh, I like it. I think it's great. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I didn't like, uh, I didn't like the players in May. Didn't like the players in May. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like, I don't like the way that golf course plays in May. I played one players in May, the first one in 07. And then hurt myself and couldn't play, uh, didn't play in another one. Um, and I, I just, I prefer it in March. I prefer it in March. And now that we got it back in March, I think that's a good thing. And then, uh, but obviously to have to go March, April, and one month increments pretty much, ex- except for maybe from, yeah, now in one month increments, literally one month increments, you've got a major championship. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's wild from not, a coverage no standpoint. 
I, I feel like right oh, when yeah. I'm getting yeah, over the us, one, it's 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 start the next one started. Yeah, no, all, all of us in the all of us in the media and or in the golf media, golf blogosphere, anybody who's doing anything media oriented in golf, our hair's on our hair's been on fire all year. There's no doubt. And you, there's no, I mean, there's, there's busy and then there's psycho busy. And I think that all of us were, for the most part, if you had a full schedule, you know, that's, that's site. We, you were psycho busy this year from a, from a golf media standpoint. Um, the thing that, and so the thing that's interesting is how this new schedule has affected like tiger schedule where we're seeing them like now this we saw him play a lot in the lead up of the Masters, but now you know for the Open, no no starts between the U.S. Open and the Open. Um, well, I, I but I also I also think that that has a lot to do with with forty three year old years yeah. old and you know and eight surgeries between his knee and his back. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a lot going on there, Andy. That I think that that, that I think that if we if Tiger, let's just pretend Tiger's never had a surgery and he's forty three years old. I think Tiger plays a couple times. Quite honestly, I think he does. I think he plays a couple times between uh, between the the um, between the Open and and uh, even though he didn't in the past, maybe he does now. You know, to get the reps in, maybe he plays at least one. You know, he used to play what he played one event between. He always played one event between the U.S. Open and the Open Championship back in the day, mm-hmm. just to see where he was at. And then he'd go over and play. You know, he'd get over there a week early, get adjusted, practice play on the golf course, and make sure that he had his, all his ducks in a row. Um, but he's, you know, he's 43 with all the stuff that he's had going on with him. I can't blame him. We're going to see more and more of a Hogan-like schedule out of him, I think, as the years go on, quite honestly. Because the body, you know, I don't know if he, I don't know if his doctor said the same thing my doctor told me after my fourth hand surgery which was basically, I don't know how many shots he got after my last surgery. I don't know how many shots he got left in his hand, but there's a number. And once you hit that number, you're done. He, he said that to me verbatim. And I said, whoa, that, that's honesty for you. So maybe Tiger has that. He's not, he doesn't know about it. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe doctors have said, you're good. Just take care of it. Um, but he's definitely got to do things differently now and can't play the way that you know, can't play in practice the way he once did. So I don't blame him. I don't know. I mean, in all honesty, Andy, I don't know if it has much to do with as much to do with the schedule as it does, honestly, his back and yeah. his and his body. Quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's just unbelievable. He, I'm, I'm still shocked that he won the Masters. You know, just oh, I think we're all in shock. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I think we're all still in shock that he that he that he won the Masters. It was uh, it was. Uh, Everything kind of fell into place. He hit the shots. He he hit the shots. Uh, and and you know what? If it, if his back's good, the temperatures are right. I wouldn't doubt it if he contended at Portrush. Yeah. There's there's two tournaments that are kind to old people, and that's the guy and people who know what they're doing around him. That's the Masters and the Open Championship. So I feel like that um, dovetails well with uh, what you were saying about romanticism and and golf. I feel like the yeah. Open Open kind of brings it back a little bit. I think everybody, I, I totally agree. Cause you know what, there's, there's, that's still the one place Augusta to a certain extent, but still Augusta, Augusta still, you can play modern golf at Augusta and, and, and not get penalized. Honestly, you don't have to, you still need to shape shots, but you can still stand up on tees at Augusta and just swing away with today's equipment. You don't have to move the ball. 
you still kind of got to move the ball on, on a links course. You got to hit it low. You got to roll it out there. You got to bowl it sometimes. You got to you got to take spin off. You got to do all kinds of funny stuff at an open championship um, with a golf ball. It, it's definitely the most old school, nostalgic, just romanticized tournament. And you know, honestly, it's probably my favorite to watch. It is. I, I'd have to say it is my favorite to watch. And I'd have to say after that, it's probably the Masters. But the, uh, the Open Championships, my favorite to watch for that reason. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 definitely. I think the last couple of year Opens have been just so good too. It, it, last year, I had this moment. I'm like, yep, this is my favorite major. Um, and I think there's something. I think obviously, you're always going to get firm conditions. You know, which is, yeah. which is, that's yeah. the number one thing I enjoy watching is like that hollow thud when the ball hits the ground is the best sound no in golf. But then when you throw in wind, the, to me, that's when you get wind and firm, that's when you really separate, you know, the real players from the kind of the, oh. the good golfers. We were talking about this last week. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can make a golf course. If the golf course, if the golf course is soft, um, it, it can be fun to watch, but you're going to have everybody and their grandmother right there with a chance to win. You really don't know who's hitting it well and who's not hitting it well on a soft golf course. As soon as that golf course firms up and gets like a brick, the separation happens really quickly and you know exactly who's hitting it well and who's hit, who's not hitting it well and um and and who's got control of their ball and their spin and their trajectory and who doesn't uh firmness is the absolute separator the firmness of a golf course is the absolute separator of good ball strikers and even moderate to mediocre ball strikers not even poor ball strikers but just guys who are just kind of average ball strikers that week, that potential week, it'll separate. Those guys will be gone. And the guys who are at the top of the board, the the first 20, 25 names, you know, those are the guys that are striking their ball for the most part, the best. I firm conditions, the best ball strikers are always going to come to the top. I I think. And then, Um, and then if you throw in greens are firm. And then if you throw in the wind, that's when all the trajectory control and the spin control, all that just gets so high. It it just, that's what's so cool. And there's no options taken away at opens either. You can hit all different types of shots. Exactly. Which is why to this day and for, for history that I can, that I can think of Phil Mickelson is the greatest open champion of all time (laughs) because (laughs) I mean, he's a good iron player. He's always been a good iron player, but he, his calling card was not links golf. Never was. And he taught himself how to play it and pulled it off. And no one thought he could win that tournament. I don't think he even thought he could win that tournament. And for him to do it, phenomenal. All right, you got, you got to get out of here, Aaron. It's always a pleasure having you on. But uh, all right, before you got to go, what, real quick, who's your pick to, uh, to win the Open? Uh, I haven't given it much thought. I'll be honest with you to, uh, to be, to be honest. I, but you know, I'm going to go, um, let me think about it really quick. Um, I, I think it's going to be a top 10 guy and I, I honestly think that he, he, I think that he's done enough on links golf courses to, to, and, and I, and he's coming in hot. 
it's hard for me to get away from a guy like John Rahm on a place like that. It really is. Yeah. He's got the, he's got the control. Um, I saw what he did at the Irish open this last week. It's going to be tougher, obviously at Port rush. Um, uh, he's been knocking but, on the major um, door too. He's had a couple, uh, top yeah, fives in the last yeah, few he, majors. He's, he's starting to, he's starting to figure it out. And I think that his game, you know, he, he plays a piercing flight. He's good in the wind. He's good in bad conditions. Um, he drives it fantastic. If he just keeps his emotions in check, that's the biggest thing for Rom. If he can keep his emotions in check, I think John Rom can get it done. I really do. I think he can win his first major championship. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll watch for you this week at the uh, Senior Players in uh, Akron. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.